Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Talk Gnosis After Dark. Tonight we are being joined by our good friend, Deacon John. Deacon John, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, thank you, Bishop Ken. It's great to be back. And Bishop Laney is joining us as usual, as well as our good friend and producer, Father Tony. Hello, both of you. Hello. Well, we are continuing our discussion of the Gospel of Thomas, verse 14, that we had um, started in our YouTube channel show earlier. Um, Bishop Peterson, I'm going to bother you again. Do you want to go ahead and read it for our listeners who may have not been able to catch our YouTube show? Oh, I think Bishop Laney is uh, muted. <laughs> that might... Bishop Laney is now unmuted. Is that, can, you hear, can you hear me? I can go. I fine. apologize. L live radio, folks. I guess we were taking uh, the Paul's admonition that women should remain silent in the church, uh, very, very seriously here. Uh, but let me see what we have here. Well, I have got uh, Bentley Layton's translation here, uh, okay. which is... Um, Jesus said to them, if you fast, you will acquire a sin, and if you pray, you will be condemned, and if you give alms, it is evil that you will do to your spirits. And when you go into any land and travel in the country places, when they receive, when they receive you, eat whatever they serve to you. Heal those among them who are sick, for nothing that enters your mouth will defile you. Rather, it is precisely what comes out of your mouth that will defile you. Great verse. Yes. Yeah, I, definitely yeah. a juicy one. Yeah, as, as Father told you, Father doesn't normally describe um, our topics as juicy. So when I saw him do that <laughs> yeah. on, uh, on Facebook, I, I, I knew we were in for a good time. Yeah, I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing those pants with the word juicy on the butt. Right awesome. Now, in, in honor of this very... Ooh. Yeah. I found and the I found the episode of the of the title of the episode right there. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a good visual. Father Tony in GC Couture sweatpants. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> juicy Gnosticism. Uh, oh, I'm I'm registering Lord. that domain as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, since uh, since Father Tony, uh, you know, you described this as juicy. Uh, you just got done listening to uh, Bishop Peterson and I uh, uh, discuss this for 20 minutes or so. Uh, um, give us a little of your thoughts on this particular verse. Well, interestingly, um, you, when I when I listen to you guys talk, I take notes, um, and you actually hit most of my points before the end of the episode. So, ah. um, but I did have a couple of things that I, I thought were interesting and, and worth uh, worth bringing up. You mentioned um, the Rosicrucian uh, manifesto, the Fama Fraternitatis, um, mm -hmm. the bit about healing the sick. But uh, yes, so, <laughs> interestingly, that the remainder of that passage, I mean, and I paraphrase, is, um, or the remainder of the, the manifesto, is, you know, the first priority is to cure the sick for, uh, free of charge mm -hmm. uh, and not wear any special clothing or to, you know, draw attention to yourself outside of, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a particular region, that's the clothes that you should wear, that kind of mm -hmm. thing, uh, yes. which is almost identical to this this passage yes which is very interesting to me because that was written in the early 1600s mm -hmm. uh, long before the gnostic texts were widely available or translated that is uh, correct 
So to me, I, you know, just spitballing here out of the clear blue sky to make some metaphor. Um, interesting that this kind of Gnostic -y, uh, knowledge transmitted itself through to the, to the 17th century mm -hmm. um, without the texts that we know of being extant. That would almost imply some form of an oral tradition that may have been passed down from uh, initiator to his initiate and so on and so on and so on. Sure, certainly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was mm -hmm. my first thought on it. Mm -hmm. Anybody want to call it me crazy? No, I, that's the exact my thoughts as well, Tony. So uh, I don't call you crazy on that one because um, I think the first time I ever came across the Gospel of Thomas and read this particular passage, I had already been familiarized with uh, with the Fama and with uh, uh, Rosicrucian teachings, and it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb for me. It was like, wow. <laughs> uh, I kind of had one of those aha moments like that. It's like, wow, you know, is this one of those uh, pieces of wisdom tradition that has been passed down for, for generations orally, and even though this was just found in the desert in 1945, you know, do we get hints of this uh, within, within the Fama? And... Uh, you know, I think it kind of pretty much hits it right on the money because, you know, that is kind of the first one of the agreements within the Fama is to cure the sick and to do that freely. And then, uh, like you said, that and it basically goes into, to paraphrase it, you know, basically, uh, you know, don't wear any habits of uh, things special, but those of on the country. And it's almost verbatim of what we are seeing in the middle passage of this particular verse, which, as Bishop Peterson and I, I think kind of discuss, sort of becomes kind of the heart of the matter, I think, of this particular verse uh, in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It remind you know it, 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 that I just loved that Bishop Canterbury brought that up because I, I, I think he really did. Um, it's kind of this it, it, little nugget's kind of buried in. It's bracketed by two things about dietary discipline, mm -hmm. and uh, I just I, I really love that you that you brought that up, Bishop Canterbury. Thank you, um, Deacon John. Any of your thoughts on this? Well, that particular end of it, no. Um, I'll probably have. <laughs> I'll probably have more to weigh in when we get into the meat of it. Uh, you know, to go back to what, what Father Tony said, this is a particularly juicy uh, part of the gospel and one that I really personally enjoy. Um, I think it factors into a lot of my own development over time. So uh, I was excited to see that it was being discussed tonight. Well, you know, I don't think we're necessarily just focused upon that little uh, part. So what particular parts of this of this little nugget of a verse uh, um, do you find particularly juicy? And uh, how does this verse apply then to your own spirituality? Um, I take the whole, well, I take it as a whole because, you know, so often when you read this particular uh, Logie, and what you often hear about is how controversial it is. People yeah. love to use that term controversial, and yeah. usually it's overused, but this is one of those few that I look at this and I say, wow, you know, this one really is um, probably one of the most uh, stirring that you'll find uh, to me within the entire gospel itself. As far as my own development goes, you know, those who, again, know my, my own past 
you know, having been Catholic and then worked my way up into Protestantism and Buddhism, uh, for me, it was always the idea of being an individual mm -hmm. and having a hard time with constantly being dictated to that, you know, it has to be this way. This is what you have to do if you're going to find salvation. This is what you're going to have to do uh, if you're going to get to heaven. And it was always this sort of, uh, I used to call it the Catholic checklist, you know, if I'm doing this, 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 and this, well, then logically I'm leading a good life. And, right. you know, this to me is a classic example of, you know, here's Jesus and, you know, you read Logie in six and everybody's saying, you know, well, what are we supposed to do? Do we, do we pray? Do we fast? Do we give to charity? People are looking for hard and fast rules. And, you know, all along he's been saying sort of, you know, find your own way. Uh, you know, all of these other things, here they are asking for this guidance. And finally, he's, he turns it all on his head and he, you know, directly takes on a lot of what we would consider to be the central tenets mm -hmm. of so many of the faith systems at the time. You know, these were all the prescribed activities. Um, everything from the fasting to the giving of alms to the types of prayers you were supposed to say. I mean, this really sort of takes it all on the head and says, well, you know, there's a problem here. You're not doing enough. There's something more. And if this is all you're doing, uh, you've got a problem. Yeah, and we... And and Bishop Peterson mentioned uh, Logian Six earlier in the in the video show, but there are a couple of other places where uh, fasting specifically is mentioned uh, in in this gospel, and I think they're they're relevant given what John was saying. Um, Logian Twenty Seven says, "If you do not fast from the world, you will not find the kingdom. If you do not observe the Sabbath as a Sabbath, you will not see the Father." So this mm -hmm. seems to almost contradict what's being said in Logan 14, um, not directly. And then further on down uh, on Logan 104, they said to Jesus, come, let us pray today and let us fast. Jesus said, what sin have I committed and how have I been undone? Rather, when the groom leaves the bridal suite, then let the people fast and pray. So that was, I think, what you were mentioning before, Bishop Peterson. So I particularly like that one. Um, when we get to that 104 some odd weeks from now or whatever, you know, <laughs> way more than that. Um, but, uh, you know, that Jesus is almost a little bit snarky there. And he says, you know, come let us pray today and let us fast. And Jesus says, what do you, what have I done that you want to make me fast? You know, that's mm -hmm. so, but interesting that the contradictory nature of it and, and I think that it's speaking because it's speaking in symbols and not necessarily in, you know, literally, you know, I, I do think that the community that would have used this document probably did not fast in a, in a, in a ritualized sense in you know, in a, a dietary sense that there was no prescribed like the Orthodox fast, like on Wednesdays, you don't eat, uh, you know, meat or, or wine or, I, I don't remember what all of the details of the of the Eastern Orthodox fast is, but I think that you'll see you would have seen this community probably they would have looked a lot like we look as Gnostics today in that sense that there's really no there's no proscribed you know this is how you do it and mm -hmm. this, you know but at the same time. I think it's important to 
it's important to appeal back to tradition at some point. I, and mm -hmm. this is, I, this might be a separate point, but so let's, let me stop there and <laughs> get your thoughts I, on that. I was just checking. Um, it, it, it's uh, Matthew nine fifteen. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn when he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. And we see that also in Mark and in Luke as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of all over the place, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, you have these people who, who who have Jesus present with them. Why do you need to fast? I'm here. You know, Jesus is there. The, the kingdom is there. Why, why do you need to fast? Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it, it does. You, as you pointed out, Father, it it seems to contradict some other things that, that, that are said. And I, I would point out that a lot of these verses do seem to be in isolation. These are sayings. Right. Absolutely. These, this is, you know, somebody's recollection of a thing that Jesus maybe said once. So yeah. um, none of them are in context. They all stand alone as their own little thing, but taken as a whole, they represent a body of teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the body of teaching one presumes is internally consistent. So, because one thing says, you know, don't fast, and the other thing says, you know, fast from the world, and that that modifier from the world is is significant there too. That doesn't yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean what they're talking about in verse fourteen and Logan fourteen. But mm -hmm. I think we're also going back to Bishop Canterbury's point. We've got this centerpiece in here when he's telling them what to do when they're going out to heal heal the sick, mm -hmm. and that you know that. Their task, if if that perhaps there's an understand, perhaps they would have understood this that our dietary considerations. There's there's always a risk, first of all, of any spiritual discipline becoming its own stumbling block, its own millstone around your neck. Absolutely. Can, you can you can end up identifying so strongly with it that you neglect um, the develop your other your other forms of spiritual development, your own personal piety. I remember. Reading it was about 10 years ago. It was a Muslim women's organization, and they were talking about the hijab, the headscarf. And they said that they weren't really interested in a debate over whether, whether women should or should not wear it. But what they were interested, what concerned them was, is that it had ter been turned into a symbol of personal piety or piety. And, and it was whether a woman wears a headscarf or not does not necessarily have anything to do with whether she's a good Muslim. And I think the same thing holds true for any of our practices. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that there's that, but I think that that it, it can become a particular stumbling block if you have a mission and your your adherence to a specific dietary practice interferes with that mission. Mm -hmm. If you can't, if you if you can't eat with the people who have taken you in, if you can't accept hospitality, or if you uh, are finding yourself getting peaked because you can't eat at all, and you're on it, you're falling down on the job because you're faint with hunger, that's an issue. Mm -hmm. That you know, so so eating a food that might be taboo or it's not part of your ritual, that's not going to defile you. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, again, I think I want to point out one of the things I pointed out during our video show was again a lot of me. This goes back to intent, and I preach intent a lot because I think intent is extremely um, powerful, and uh, to me, is kind of one of the keys to to all of the mysteries. Is what is intent within our heart? What is intent within our being? 
as you said, you know, this, these practices themselves can become stumbling blocks. If one is simply fasting because it is prescribed, if one is simply doing prayers because it is part of one's regimen, um, I would much rather be inflamed in prayer where my spirit is moving me in prayer than simply, okay, uh, let's see, it, it is now 9.47, and uh, hmm, at exactly 12.01, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and face in this particular direction and say my, my 12 o'clock prayers, um, which may be fine as long as my intent is pure and it's for 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 my own spirituality but i think that if you're simply doing these things um without without really um without really kind of seeing what the pure focus is i i think they will become stumbling blocks and to me again i'm going to go back into the center passage of of 14 you know to, to me you know why jesus is telling them is hey this is your mission right here you're going to go into the regions uh, you're going to walk the countryside um when people are going to offer you something to eat you're going to eat what they're going to offer you and you're going to go there and you're going to heal their sick simple <laughs> you know I, i'm going to take a slightly different tack here um mm -hmm. because I, i'm not entirely sure that i i don't think i don't think what you're saying is don't practice uh, don't do a practice because you know or if you if you're not into it mm -hmm. my point is let me let me back up <laughs> okay my point is um there is a there's a reason to appeal to tradition um mm -hmm. if if you have if you experience a religious tradition um that you have decided that you're going to do, right? So say in my case, I'm, you know, going to do Joanite spirituality. Um, right. If the Joanites do X and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that happens to be, uh, you know, every Friday night you eat fried chicken and that's what the Joanites do. And you do that for religious reasons, right? <laughs> that isn't what the Joanites do, but I would support it if it were. Um, <laughs> With honey? Uh, yeah, and honey biscuits. Mustard. Yeah, honey mustard. Right. Well, great. just honey is good, too, but never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and maybe I don't, maybe I'm not into it. Maybe I really didn't want to eat fried chicken this, you know, for the particular Friday. But there's a there's a weight of tradition behind it. There's a, a line of, of people that go back, you know, some thousands of years who have, Eating fried chicken on Fridays—it's <laughs> a terrible example. I, <laughs> I regret it, uh, yeah. I regret it immediately. But you know that, that even if I don't necessarily get it, or I don't, or I'm not into it on a particular day, that doesn't mean that it's not a valuable practice. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So I didn't think that was what you were saying, but that was kind of no, what I was hearing. So yeah. yeah. No, no, uh, I, that's not not what I was saying. I, I can't speak for Bishop Canterbury, but I no, I do, that's not what I was saying either. So I, I do absolutely believe that there is a rhythm to our spiritual practice, and and the discipline itself is something that builds something else up in us. And even if we don't feel like doing it uh, on a certain day, even if our heart is not necessarily in it, going ahead and doing it can have its own kind of value. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's it's when the when the spiritual practice 
interferes with a greater, deeper mission, that that's a problem. And then also going back to um, to verse 6, which is kind of a parallel here, his disciples questioned him and said to him, do you want us to fast and how shall we pray? And goes on and on. And Jesus says, instead of answering those questions, he says, do not lie and do not do what you hate, for all things are disclosed before heaven, for there is nothing obscure that shall not be shown forth, and there is nothing covered that will remain without being disclosed. He's mm -hmm. almost saying, you know, first of all, work on your inner heart and keep in mind that no matter what people see you do, whatever kind of almsgiving you do, whatever kind of prayer, whatever kind of fasting you do, at some point, everything's going to be disclosed. So what you know, it's all it's all going to be on, it's all going to be out there for everybody to see um, what you are and what you've done. So the, what your spiritual discipline can't mask that. Um, so I, I would say that this is again we we're using the word heart a lot in this show. I think we're using the word heart more than we ever have in this show, which I kind of like. But that this is this is an issue of uh, a right orienting of the right orientation of the heart um, and certainly a spiritual discipline as Father Tony rightly says can be part of that but it, it can also be a stumbling block when there is something else that's given to us to do perfect mm. <laughs> I'm sorry I said perfect oh gee um, <laughs> would you care to exp uh, expound on that Deacon well, I, I, literally, I really think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, a lot of this is internal. And to know that, as you said, it will all be sort of brought forth, um, that to me, or that should be the most powerful uh, you know, thing that we hear. But again, anybody who's been um, you know, brought up in a system where you're used to, again, being told that there are certain steps or that there are certain things, you start to uh, just lose sight of what the meaning of those things are. You know, you start to uh, to do them uh, through road, as they say. I'm trying to remember which book in particular, but one of the, the Gospel of Thomas um, books talks about a particular person who's talking about um, having been raised to pray. And this person now felt like they were being a bad, I, well, I believe it was Catholic, <laughs> because they had stopped praying the way they had been taught. So the way the story goes, it's, you know, I was taught to say these same prayers every day, and I did it for most of my life. I'm at this stage now where I sit down to say these prayers, and I end up having a rambling conversation with God and never finish the prayers. So I don't, you know, something's wrong. I'm hurting myself spiritually. And the person writing the book is actually celebrating this, saying, no, you've had a breakthrough here. You know, you've, you've become independent. You're taking this in your own direction. This is what, um, you know, we were taught to do. But this other person is, again, fixated on the rules and, you know, the habits to their own detriment. You know, their inability to see that what they've done is actually something more important. Something that you said there, Deacon, really touched me. And this person was saying, "Well, I, I'm I'm stopped doing these prayers, but now I'm just talking to God, and it, it's never en it never ends." Uh, what a wonderful thing to be constantly talking to God. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, you know, at, at the end of Joe Knight's services, we, we you know we hear um, Eucharist never ends. Well, the prayer never ends. 
Maybe. Exactly. You know, and how striking, though, to have somebody say, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, yeah. you know, because of that. And it's it's a very interesting, again, it's, you know, it's the way we're all taught. It's sort of like you go to work, you know, you're going to do these things and get that promotion. Or you're in school, you're going to do these things and get that A. We try to apply that same system to everything that we do. So it's no surprise that so many faith systems these days just have this, what I call the laundry list or the, 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 the checklist for salvation. You know, I do all these things, but I'm doing them because I want to be saved, not because they have any real meaning to me or anything else, but I was told to do them. And I'm again, I, at the risk of becoming <laughs> unpopular, I'm going to, there's a real impulse these days to, you know, to have this kind of, individualized spirituality uh, where if it feels good to me then it must be good for me um, and and I don't I don't think that's good for the world in general you no. know I and I, I would say I, that's the other extreme though well is, maybe yeah but yeah I'm not entirely sure I feel qualified to know what's good for me spiritually um, huh. you, you know what I mean yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you, Father. I um, And I hope that you or other people who are listening to this are, are not thinking that I, I think that people should go all loosey-goosey. I, 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 don't, I, I don't support that. And in this, uh, in verse 14, very specifically, we have Jesus giving people a specific mission. A, something specifically that they're supposed to be doing. Um, and in the context of that, um, his dismissal of certain dietary practices makes a great deal of sense. Um, but I, I would also agree, however, that there is nothing, there's, we, we ought to, there's nothing wrong with following a tradition, working within that tradition and maintaining that tradition um, as long as we are also mindful of our own hearts and any additional mission or task or vocation that comes our way, which at some point may, um, may have a, a negative interaction with that discipline that we've, that we've established over the years. Mm -hmm. We may find ourselves in a situation where we find ourselves doing or having to make some major changes because something more significant has happened. But as you said, Father, you know, you don't always know for yourself what's in your best interest. I certainly don't know what's in my best interest. But I would argue that a faithful practice of a discipline, as you often call us to do, Father, can help us discern that over time. So I, I do think that discernment can certainly be a product of a traditional practice, as you recommend. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that. I don't think any, you know, I don't think what we're saying here is to go loosey-goosey or to do what feels good or to disregard a lot of the rules and rituals that have been put into place. But as, as Bishop Laney was saying, it's the intent behind them. You know, do you go and do them just because you think you're getting ahead or do you see the deeper thing? It's about progress. It's not about just doing um, what feels good to you, but it's recognizing that you yourself can and are making progress. And it, it's interesting because having read so many books on, on Thomas, a lot of Thomas believers would, would disagree with us on this. They would say that, that it is about being individual. So... Very interesting uh, point you make there, Father. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I hear what you guys are saying. And um, I, I think it's a maybe it's a middle path. Right. So maybe what yeah. we're talking about is, you know, not not so much one way or, or the other. Um, I just I caution people against, you know, I don't know if I want to call it spiritual laziness or, oh, <laughs> or whatever. Yes. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, there's a it's very easy to fall into the trap. And, and certainly I've done it and we've all done it that, you know, uh this, you know, I, I'm not going to do the practice that I've decided that I'm going to do, you know, of the tradition that I belong to or whatever happens to be, um, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wicked spiritual and I'm going to do this other thing that's, you know, not as much work, but it it's works for me. And, um, and I think that's, I think that's dangerous. And I mean, not not dangerous, well, dangerous but yeah, I mean, detrimental, I guess, is the word. It is dangerous, and there's, there's, there, the risks of self-deception on any spiritual path are pretty significant. They're, they're very significant. So, mm-hmm. and also, on the other side of that, you know, it's, it's hard to know <laughs> which traditions are, are effective or not, or, you know, which traditions are just, you know, repeating some crap that somebody said, you know, 150 years ago, just because it's old, it doesn't mean that it's, <laughs> that it's effective. And that's mm-hmm. why we have communities. Yeah. That's why we have families. That why, that's why we have friends. I mean, we're not, none of us here are monastics. You know, we're not living in a monastic community and, and their approach to spiritual discipline is very different than for the rest of us for very good reason. It's a very different way of living out their vocation for mm-hmm. us. Um, we are not contained in a community. We're not contained within the four walls of a monastery. We have to seek out each other and and doing what we're doing right now is sitting around talking, but also developing real and friendships. And judging people. And judging people. Yeah. And, and, and waving our fingers at people. <laughs> um, and saying, tisk tisk tisk. Um <laughs> see, if you were a Patreon supporter, you could actually see us waving our fingers at people <laughs> live on YouTube. You see Bishop Laney <laughs> tisk tisking you. Um, but no, it, it's um, that that's what we have our communities for. And there's oftentimes some great feedback and not just even direct feedback, but looking at our relationships with other people. Are we how are we how are we relating to others? How have our friendships and our relationships changed? Uh, that can give us that can give us some real clues as to whether our spirituality is developing along the right way. I agree. You know, I think unfortunately, um, again, um, um, it does take some self-analysis, and uh, um, sometimes that people aren't willing, you know, um, uh, to kind of put in that time. Um, you know, yeah, I think Father Tony is, you know. Um, I think uh, got some very valid points here, and you know there has to be this balance. There has to be um, okay. I am following up this particular tradition, which I have been drawn to, and sometimes I do have to work through these particular things, even if I, oh, I'm not up to it. Oh, I'm tired. Blah blah blah, blah. and all the excuses that one may make, you know, uh, um, you know, daily, and. Um, you know, there has to be this balance where we see that what we are doing is uh, true and that there is kind of this evolution within our uh, spirituality. Um, and but also, you know, give mind to our own spirit, um, but yet not being, you know, one who is um, 
just sort of taking, okay, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because it feels good, man. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, because there is so much of that um, in the esoteric today that sometimes I'm sure you guys all see it. I see it. You know, sometimes I see some of the stuff on the, some of the, uh, various esoteric groups or individuals, you know, post on even some of the social media like Facebook. And I sit there and I kind of just shake my head and go, okay, uh, this is not uh, my monkeys or my circus. I'm staying out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to be every time I post something on uh, a comment or something on Facebook lately, I instantly say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> why, why even get involved with whatever crazy is happening over here? Yeah, exactly. Right. Speaking of monkeys and circuses yeah the entirety of facebook you mean (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um but you know i I think um getting back to this um talking maybe just shifting gears a little bit and going away from spiritual practice but also the notion of uh what comes out of our mouths defiles us Mm -hmm. i think that that's i think that's awesome yeah, you're uh, right. And we we didn't spend a lot of time on that, but it is it I think that is a very important part of of what we're talking about here. Yeah, you know, the the idea that, you know, yeah, you can fast and you can do all these things, but if if what's coming out of your mouth is a bunch of crap, <laughs> then that's what's the pr- that's the problem, not not what you're eating. That's mm-hmm. a very gnostic kind of sentiment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and and what <coughs> If what you're eating sustains your life and, and gives you energy such that you end up saying horrible things to people or teaching terrible things or you know cause, saying things that cause a lot of damage, um, boy, you got a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're doing all these things to your body. Uh, you're mortifying your flesh. You're, you're eating certain foods or not eating certain certain foods, and all that it produces is some defiling crap that comes out of your mouth, <laughs> um, there's a real problem there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how often do you see the, you know, <clears throat> some of these uber pious kind of um, uh, evangelical groups that, you know, spout nothing but hate speech and, and right. go and protest at people's funerals and they're just our general dickheads you know mm-hmm. yeah. and not the good kind the philip k dickheads but the bad kind <laughs> and uh you know and and they in the under the veil of of piety and you know good christianity are are you know general douchebags to people yeah, yeah. that's that's a lot worse than you know uh, eating it's- eating the wrong food on the wrong day the, the kind of havoc, and, I, and this is not just evangelicals, it's all of us, and that the kind of havoc that we can wreck in people's lives by saying or typing the wrong thing is, is just, um, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I have encountered some of the most profound uh, cruelty that could have been utterly avoided if somebody had kept their mouth shut or stopped typing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so simple. It's just so simple. And it would have been so easy for, you know, the heart to have not happened, but it, you know, people have no, have no self-control or maybe they do have control and they deliberately say things. I mean, we want to talk about what's going to defile you. Yeah. You know, you eat something, it's, it's eventually going to worm its way out. 
um, but what you know, what you say to people um, that can have that can that can haunt somebody else for a lifetime. That can do a lifetime's worth of damage. Yeah, and I, I've I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of people talking about this very subject lately, especially in relation to internet commenters, you know, yeah. and, and trolls and whatnot. And mm -hmm. um, I think. It's interesting because we are of an age where we remember the time before the internet and uh, and how if you walked up to somebody and said some of the things that they said, you know, they say on the internet, if you said that to somebody's face, you would at the at probably at the very least get a punch in the nose, right? Um, <laughs> but, but, but the people who grew up on the internet don't really see it the same way as you know we would have seen it <laughs> in our generation uh, gosh i sound so old right now um <laughs> back in my day know, right you back in my day music um <laughs> yeah get off my lawn <laughs> <laughs> no but it, but it, it's just you know it, they throw it off they just throw off a comment and they don't think about it in the way that you know, they would have thought about it if they were staring somebody in the face, um, right? Because in in the minds of the people of this, you know, who tend to do this kind of thing, the internet isn't a real conversation. It's mm -hmm. you know that they're doing it it just to get a rise or just to hear themselves talk or whatever it is, um, and they don't see it as uh, <coughs> you know as as they're talking to an actual person, especially. So we've we've gotten some comments here on on the channel, and uh, Bishop Peterson will attest because she p pays close attention to the comments um, that we've gotten some comments where she'll ask me, you know, do you think we should leave this up? And I almost always say yes, uh, mostly because I, people's comments speak for themselves, but also because the internet is just the place where that happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and acknowledging it or doing something about it gives it more weight than it deserves, in my opinion. And I think I've gone way off topic, but, you know, as a no. YouTube video producer, this is something that I think about. Well, I think, I think you make some good points, uh, Father. Because one of the things I started thinking about is, you know, yes, the internet commenters are awful. People say horrible things to other people, uh, sometimes to people who are suffering or make comments about people who are suffering horribly, who have undergone incredible losses, and people will just, you know, will, will, will do this. And, uh, you know, when another commenter will call them on this abusive behavior, they said, well, this, the original poster or the, the person who the, the article or is about put themselves out there, so they right. should expect this. And they, they actually completely deflect any responsibility. And in some cases, even are suggesting that, well, they can't be expected to control themselves when somebody um, has a life problem or a life story that they find provoking in some way. And um, perhaps then this is, you know, you can have all of the spiritual self-control in saying your prayers and fasting and giving to charity. But if you don't have control over what you say, really, what is all that good done to you, done for you? Mm -hmm. if, 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 you, if you're defiling yourself by saying something, all that self-control that you've been exerting in other areas uh, clearly hasn't done a job on your spirit. Right. It has been empty words and, and spiritually 
uh, ineffective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that's a real that's a real danger. So I think you actually hit on something, Father. That's very important. And we see with a real example here of people of internet commenters who blame their targets because these internet commenters clearly can't control them. Claim that they can't control themselves. They've been provoked to something, which of course is completely untrue. They have control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trolls are bad. <laughs> well, and there was recently there was a study that came out on internet trolls, and yeah. in point of fact, they, these people are not just clueless; they are deliberately that they are cruel. They yeah. they they want to cause upset, they want to cause distress, and they are in they, they enjoy what they do. Well, sure. So, yeah. Um, so in, in in point of fact, um, and I don't think that every clueless commenter or every tactless person is necessarily a sociopath or a bully or any of those things. But um, there are some people who, you know, who aren't concerned at all about their spiritual development. They do want to hurt. And that, that's a separate group of people. But then we also have the people who think that they have a, they're entitled to their opinion and they have give no thought to what that expression does to other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, who among us hasn't said something hurtful to somebody oh, else? Good Lord. You know, I, I, I did it the other day. In fact, my, I was having a conversation with my best friend and I, I said something to her that I knew was going to piss her off, but I said it anyway. And I like, as it was coming out of my mouth, I went, Oh, yep. I know what I yep. did there. Yeah. There it goes. <laughs> Open up mouth and search foot. Yeah. 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 So it's you know obviously it's not uh, it's not something that you arrive at and you <laughs> you remain enlightened for the remainder of your days. Certainly uh, not. You know it's it's an ongoing process. But yeah, it, it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good benchmark. Certainly um, mm -hmm. this one and and Logian six. You know, don't lie and don't do what you hate. Yeah, because we're all going to see it in the end. Um, <laughs> the other thing that's interesting also is I I have to wonder. All right, so they're going out into these neighborhoods, and they're finding, you know, they're, they're going out into the neighborhoods. They are um, healing people, and they're eating food that maybe, you know, would, would not be the normal part of their diets. And I'm wondering, what kind of a spiritual discipline was that for them? You know, that in itself becomes a spiritual practice, mm -hmm. this, this type of healing. So you're, you're actually being taken in. They're actually... Uh, going into a what I would argue is a far deeper practice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which, missionary you know, work. Yeah, missionary work, which is very, very. It's a very deep practice, particularly when you're doing cross-cultural things and you're working with strangers, people who you don't know and who you might not generally choose to spend time with. Yeah, there, mm -hmm. there's a there's a very deep spiritual practice right there. But and I, sometimes I don't think you that, have to. Yeah, oh, go on. I was just saying, I don't think that talking about, you know, eating weird food there, like, uh, oh, I'm going to try, you know, squid in this particular region. I think what they're talking about is like um, food that would have been forbidden to, uh, you know, a Jewish person uh, right. in the Middle East at that time. You know, so uh, any of the, uh, you know, shellfish or, or what have you or food sacrificed to idols or things like that, you know, that would have been forbidden to them. Uh, bacon. And, uh, bacon, yeah. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I meant. So, oh, okay. I, maybe there was a misunderstanding, but no, that's what I meant too. That, that, but this, this would have been its own form of practice is doing mm -hmm. something that may have once been ta taboo. Mm-hmm. And you know how do how do you how do you internally 
deal with that when you cross into something that may have once been taboo. That's an area of work on oneself that must, you know, I would imagine is a very deep thing. Yeah, if you've been told since the day you could, you know, could, could comprehend the word that you can't eat, you know, shrimp, <laughs> and right. then God help them. Yeah, and then uh, and then the Son of God comes along and says, "Yeah, hey, shrimp's okay." You're like, "Well, all right." <laughs> well, or or just says if somebody offers it to you, eat it. Yeah. Um, wow, that that's got to be an experience. Yeah, and I think further the um, you know the the. The connection to the the fama fraternitatis, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, it's it's also a way of blending in with the community that you're that you're uh, you're healing, you know. That it, you, well, I think it does give a certain amount of a cloak of invisibility, you know. Not necessarily is, that for that purpose. It could be for that right. purpose, but also just for mm -hmm. you know, hey, I'm I'm living amongst you folks, and I'm, <coughs> you know, I'm gonna eat your food, and I'm gonna speak mm -hmm. your language and I'm going to, you know, dress with your, dress in your clothes and I'm going to be one of you and I'm going to be one of this community as a way of showing my support or, you know, as a way of showing my acceptance for you as you are. Uh, and, you know, and here's this, here's this teaching from this guy named Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, a very juicy passage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, can, okay, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask if there were any any uh, final thoughts on this. We may have beaten this dead horse. <laughs> oh, it was a fun time, though. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Deacon Sean? Nope. I think we've really covered it. All right. Now that was a good one. And I I knew that was going to be an interesting conversation for this passage. Uh, it's it's definitely one of the <laughs> I'm not going to use the word again, but it's definitely one of the more interesting passages to uh, to to talk about amongst friends. So, yes, absolutely, yeah. and um, very very glad that we were able to do it. All right, just reminding everybody that uh, we uh, we appreciate all of the support of our Patreon patrons, and uh, if you have not yet become a patron, please do visit Patreon.com/gnostic. And uh, pledge a little bit of money to help us out and to create new and better programming for you uh, along the lines of Gnosticism and Esotericism and the like. Uh, and, uh, and we really appreciate all those who have pledged to date. Um, we have a couple of people who have given more than $100 to the Patreon campaign. That's, that's, that's really fantastic. special. So It really is. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, thank you all for your conversation tonight and uh, for everybody listening along at home. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Good night, everyone. Good night. night. This has been a production of the Gnostic NYC Network. For more information on this and all of the Gnostic NYC Network's programming, visit GnosticNYC.com. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. Thank you.